0: So, um, we have been in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, if you want to get ahead in the game, turn your Bibles, turn in your Bibles, turn your Bibles. Just turn your Bibles. That's all you got to do. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew 5. We're still on Matthew 5 this week. I missed it, but I've heard um, great things from Pastor Beverly's word last week. It's awesome. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're continuing this series. Okay. so first, first thing I want to intro with is this. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is available to you. Do you know that? God's very kingdom, God's very rule, God's very power, God's very authority, God's very healing, God's very forgiveness, God's very presence is available to you. I'm pretty excited about that. Jesus, before he starts in on the Sermon on the Mount, starts healing people and doing crazy stuff that nobody's ever seen. And he starts saying, when he does this, he starts saying things like, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning it's here now. Now, if you've watched the evening news at all lately, you know that it's not completely here yet, right? You know that there's still devastation, brokenness, hunger, murder, all the things that were not founded within God's heart and mind. They're founded from sin, right? God did not birth those things. We did. Everybody say we did. did. Right? We did. And yet Jesus came to birth and to usher in and to make available his kingdom, his good and blessed kingdom. So it's like this show-and-tell thing, right? And the college students are like, "Ah, blah, 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 I've heard this before. But it's such a big deal. First he shows what happens in the kingdom, and then he begins to tell you what it's like to live in the kingdom. It's (laughs) show-and-tell. I really love that Jesus is really like just clean and basic with me because I'm not that smart. But it helps me a lot. So he shows healing, forgiveness, acceptance, grace, mercy. He's showing these things to people who never thought that they could receive it. Right. And then he starts telling. And we've gotten into it a little bit. And today we're going to get into it a little bit more. What life can be like for you and for me? What kind of freedom is available to us? That it's not just we're not waiting just to die and then have good stuff. In our lives. But that even now we can have forgiveness. Even now we can have transformation. Even now we can have freedom from sin. Even now we can have reconciliation. Even now. Everybody say even now. Even now. Oh, can I get an amen? (laughs) I had to ask for it in first service too, so it's okay. Even now. You're like, I don't know, Brian. I don't know. Even now, now for others of you in here, you might think, okay, that's that's probably available to, you know, like really religious people. That's probably available to like really, really good people, not necessarily people like me, Brian. Well, good news. Jesus answered that, too. (laughs) Remember the Beatitudes that we went through? Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know what that means? Blessed are the screw ups. Blessed are the not enoughs. Blessed are the I really want to do good, but I just can't quite get there. Blessed are the I'm almost there, but uh, I wish I was more like uh, I can't. Ah, why can't I just why? uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs Jesus says is this very kingdom of heaven. He flips it upside down to make a point. What's the point? Everybody's invited everybody's welcome to the kingdom of God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you did. I don't care what you should have, could have, would have done. You're invited to the kingdom of God because it's not about what you've done or what you didn't do. It's about who he is and what he's done. Right? You're invited. So you could have brought a whole lot of, oh, look at all I've done for Jesus. I've been in church my whole life today and you're still invited or you could have brought a whole lot of I don't even know why I'm here. I feel ashamed even to worship. Do I even belong? Can I be here? You're invited to the kingdom of Jesus. To his very life, to his very culture, to his goodness, to his power, to his thor- his authority, to his might, all oh, to his forgiveness, to his grace. I could just keep going on that for like the whole rest of the time. It's just good. You're invited. Everybody say I'm invited. Yep, I'm going to keep you awake. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to work hard. <laughs> All right, so now we get to it. Now, the things that Jesus gets into, he, he, have, you, have you noticed that like pastors meddle in our lives? Have you noticed that? There's like an old saying, oh, he's gone from preaching to meddling. You ever heard that before? Some of you, you know, I don't want to say old fogies, I'll say more distinguished and wise ones know what I'm talking about. Um, Right? Right? Okay. Um, You're like, that does not help me. Thanks a lot, Brian. Those of you who are more distinguished and wise have heard that before. And Jesus, really what it means is, okay... You're, you're, ta- you're not just talking about like big things. Well, I almost fell right there. Did you see that? Not just talking about big things, but you're talking about what's inside of me. You're like meddling in my daily life. And Jesus loves to meddle. He loves to mess up and get into our daily lives. And if I'm really honest, I love that about Jesus. And I also don't like that about Jesus. Are you with me? Right? I love that he speaks to like everyday kind of stuff. But then he starts getting into my personal stuff. And it's like, whoa, take it easy, Jesus. I mean, that's good for that person over there. Hearing this word and sitting here and saying, oh, this is a good word for that person is not what this word is for. This word is for me. Everybody say me. This word is for me today. The you me and the me me. (laughs) Right. That's what this word is for. And so here we go. Okay, we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. This is going to be hard for me. I like to use my hands. So at some points I may be like, ah, but but the mic will get back to my mouth eventually. So here we go. Jesus, Jesus talking, describing what life can be like in the kingdom. And he says this again. You have heard that it was said to people long ago. Do not break your oath, but fulfill the but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Okay, so. Typically, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts with, you've heard this, but I tell you this. You've heard this is the way to life, but I'm going to give you something better. I'm going to give you something deeper. I'm going to get in there, inside of you even further, and I'm going to start messing with stuff so that you might have freedom that you never thought you could have. Oh, I love, love that. Love that. So you've heard that it was said, do not break your oath. Now, oaths are really good. Can you think of a place that we have an oath? We have an oath oath in the court of law, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, I swear this is the whole truth. What? How's it go? The whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me. Hey, there we go. We made it. Now, the reason that societies have to have oaths is because people lie. You're like, no way. Yeah, yeah. We totally lie. It's crazy. I know it's crazy. Right. And so we have to find ways to get people to tell the truth and making an oath is one of those ways. And that's really helpful and really good. Now, in our day, we have things like forensics. We have things like uh, surveillance cameras. We have things to help us get at the truth in our judicial system. Because people lie and it's really helpful so we can like try and gather facts and we don't have to rely as much on witness testimony. Make sense? In Jesus' day they didn't have any of that. No forensics, no right, no cameras, no, there wasn't somebody with a phone, like, <laughs> like they didn't have that. It was all based on witness testimony. And so having an oath is unto the Lord and keeping that. When every judicial de- decision was based on that is a really big deal. Jesus is not saying that's dumb. Jesus is saying, okay, you've heard that, but let me give you something else. Let me go another step further. You all with me? So verse 34, but I tell you, do not swear at all. Now, how, this word swear is not like um, cussing. It's not like foul language, right? This word swear is like, I swear on that I'm telling the truth. I put that on blank that this is what really happened. I promise that what I'm saying is, y'all with me? Okay. So he says, but I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Now, Jerusalem in Jesus' day was the most popular one for really religious folk, uh, for the Jews to swear on, because it was like, you know, I'm not going to swear on God because I might get smited. But Jerusalem is the holy city. It's the chosen city. So I'll just, I'll just promise on that, that I'm going to do this, or that what I'm saying is true, or that my opinion matters more than yours, or I'll just swear on that, and that'll be easier. So Jesus kind of poking at them a little bit in everyday life. And then he says, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Did you guys know that? I know you guys don't know that because you're too young, but I've been trying to keep my gray away. It's not working. I'm receding a little bit. Nobody laugh. I've been trying to make my follicles go through my skin again, but they're dead. They ain't coming back. I'm really sad. But if I can't even control what color my hair is when it grows or whether it stays or not, how can I assume that I can control somebody else with my swearing or with my oaths or with my words? That I can somehow control the future and get people to do what I want them to do. And that is Jesus' point. Swearing, making O's, this kind of thing is the first step toward Deception. Can you see it? It's a step towards manipulation. It's a step towards control. It's a step into lying. See, what I love about Jesus is that he starts with the first steps of his day. Because really, everybody of his day, all the religious folk goes, oh, yeah, lying's bad. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't give false testimony. I get it, Jesus. Move on. We don't need this. But then he says, oh, yeah, you've heard about oaths? Oh, yeah, well, you're already stepping into deception. Did you notice? I love it when he does that about them. (laughs) But it's really hard when he starts doing that about me. This is C.S. Lewis writing, and he says this. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. The the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the one that is soft underfoot. It's the easy road. Have you noticed how easy it is to be deceptive? Have you ever noticed? There was a survey done in a college that I can't remember. I wish I could remember, but I can't remember it. And they studied conversations. And on average, 3.3 times in a 10-minute – it's okay, no worries. In a 10-minute conversation, somebody lied. Did y'all hear that? One 10-minute conversation, on average, 3.3 lies happened. I just ruined you for any conversation. You're welcome. You're like, "Where was the 3? It's been 8 minutes. What is that? 2.7. Okay, where's the third? I'm going to find it." I'm going to find. It. No, 3.3 in 10 minutes. 80% of students on average cheat on tests. They deceive. Oh, nobody in here has ever cheated. Everybody looks at the high school students like, "It's just you."
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Come on, right? I, I Nobody in here has ever seen the smartest kid in class sit down next to him and a pop quiz happens and they see them and they go thank you Jesus. Nobody in here has ever done that, right? It's deception though. It's deceit. It's exactly what Jesus is getting at. That same survey said on average anywhere from 50 to 200 times a day the average American lies. Now you're like, okay, Fine, so be it. What what kinds of stuff do we lie about? Oh yeah, I've heard that band. Oh, nervous laughter. I'm meddling. This is awesome. Oh no, she isn't home. Let me take a message. It's sitting right next to you, right? Oh, man. What else? Oh, I'll be praying for you. That's <laughs> yeah, not that funny anymore, right? Oh, no, now you made it spiritual. We can't laugh at that one, Brian. Oh, hey, yeah, let's have lunch sometime. Oh, no, it was the traffic. It was the traffic. It was, it was busy on, on the 7. Oh, the 8. Yeah, the, Yeah, the 8 is busy. It's like this 18-car pileup and and stuff. Oh, no, my presentation wasn't that great because, really, I haven't been feeling well. I mean, you were feeling well because you were stressed and you weren't doing your work, but you were fine, <laughs> right? Nobody's ever used that in here. We can't talk about spiritual stuff, and we can't talk about work, I guess, that those two weren't funny. Okay. No, that's too far. That's too far. <laughs> hmm. It's the gradual one. Jesus getting at oaths in his day—that's the gradual step. For us, I think it's the—it's the little exaggerations, right? It's the little stories. It's the little—it's the little manipulations. It's the little. Oh yeah, I've heard that band. It's the little. Oh yeah, I know that author. Oh yeah, what do he write? Uh, some stuff. It's good though. It's good. It's it's the little, it's the little, it's, it's right. It's the, it's the little things. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, I've, I've meddled in with you a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to meddle with myself. I'm going to confess a little bit today because I always do. Um, Before I get there, Martin Luther said this, a lie is a snowball. The further you roll it, the bigger it becomes. Have you noticed that? One of the greatest uh, vices of my life, one of the greatest struggles of my life has been this very thing. I think it's funny that God has me speak on it for all three services. He's funny. Right? I love picking up the snowball of deceit. There's just something about it for me. Other things, not so much. But for me, it's been this in my life. When I was 15, I was broken. I was in the church, but um, I just, I I didn't love Jesus. I didn't get it. Um, I didn't get it at home. I I just didn't get it. And so, um, you know, I started, I started lying. And at first it was a little bit of stuff. I started lying so people would like me. I started lying so I would be accepted. It was little stuff like I played basketball. So it was little stuff like the night before I had a game, somebody who wasn't there would ask me, oh, how many points did you score? And I really scored 12 and I would say 18. 18 sounds better, right? I mean, come on make sense? No, it doesn't. Little things. I would lie about homework assignments. I would lie about uh, where I was to my parents. Little things. Little things. And the snowball grew and grew and grew to the point in which I couldn't remember what I had told which person. I could, I flat out could not remember. And every time I, I'd lay my head down on my pillow at night and I would be like stressed out Like, what did I say? Who did I say that to? And and the lies even became my reality. I really did. I ended up really did having 18 points in that game. That's really what I believed. It snowballed into this avalanche. And I ended up destroying my relationship at the time, my relationship with my parents, my relationship with my friends. My friends who loved me and cared about me left because I had done so much harm to them, lying to my parents about where I was. And then they would call my friends, and my friends would be like, would lie for me, and they got tired of lying for me, and it was just this, it was this mass destructive chaos. You know when Jesus talks about the word hell in the Gospels, it's this word Gehenna. And this word Gehenna is the word that they used for a trash dump that was outside of the city. They had one trash dump, it was outside of the city, and they had to burn everything. They couldn't bury stuff because they didn't have really big machines like we do, right? And so they would burn everything, and the stench, and the aroma, all the trash got burned. And I think part of what Jesus is getting at when he mentions hell and he mentions Gehenna is that not only can we have kingdom right here, but have you noticed we can have Gehenna right here, right now? We don't have to wait for it. Have you noticed that your life can turn into a burning trash dump? Mine did. Everything was in shambles. Everything was burning. It's like everything was on fire and everything reeked. The snowball had turned so big I couldn't stop it. Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. Somebody in here is experiencing it right now. Good news, today is a day of grace for you and for me. So, long story short, I got caught. My grandpa used to say grace sometimes is a kick in the teeth. Can I get an amen. I got caught, and in that one moment, it was the worst day of my life, and it was the best day of my life. I didn't know it at the time, but it was the best day. So thankful today that I got caught. So grateful for it, even though I was so angry that day. (laughs) Right? Well, it sent me on a whole new journey, a whole new path with Jesus, okay? So fast forward a little bit. I get free. Like, I get better. Like, I start telling the truth. It gets awesome. I start doing what Jesus says at the end right here in verse 37. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. I started doing that a little bit, and it actually, I started getting set free, and it was awesome. Like, the Lord started changing me from the inside out, and it was so good. Fast forward, I'm 25. Okay now I'm gonna meddle a little bit in maybe where some of y'all are at more, okay, maybe not, but here we go i'm twenty five I get married, and uh the snowball starts looking pretty good again. It's stressful getting married, right? Is it It was great for you, It's stressful for me. I mean, it was great, but will she accept me like me? Like, me for me. I, I can't hide anymore. I can't go home and see her in a couple days. Here I am. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness, this is scary, right? And so I started, the snowball looked good, and I started picking up the snowball a little bit again. And it looked something like this. Oh, honey, yeah, um, I got this. I'm in this meeting, but five minutes and I'm out of here. I'll be home in 10. I knew I wasn't going to be home in 10. See, now I'm meddling. That's me. I'm just talking about me, so don't you worry about it. I'm just talking about me. We'll get to you in a minute. (laughs) And I'd be home in an hour. And she will have, like, made dinner, have everything ready, and now it's cold, right? And can you believe the audacity of my wife? She was upset because she's a normal human being, (laughs) right? That would have upset me if somebody would have done it. Have you noticed this about lies? It's cool if I do it, but if you do it, how dare you? When somebody lies to us, it's like the worst event ever, but we give ourselves so much cushion. Don't we? That's not exactly what I was doing with her. I was just giving myself cushion. Oh, it's just a little white lie. It's not that big of a deal. And it was eroding our relationship. It was eroding her trust for me. Even over when I was going to be home. Yep. Because the wages of sin is death. That's not just death in the future. That's death now. Death to relationships. Death to trust. Death to forgiveness. Death to intimacy. Y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying, right? It's death now, too. You can have Gehenna now if you want to. And I was having it. And God is. Just con- the conviction of God came over me after a time, and I was like, I'm sorry. I don't know why the snowball looked so good to me. I was scared of what you were going to think. I was scared that you'd be mad if I was going to be home later. I know it sounds crazy out loud, but it made so much sense at the time. It was deceptive. It was deception, and it was pushing my wife away from me. And it was me choosing it. Snowball was rolling again. Thanks be to God, put the snowball down, and it stopped rolling. But you hear what I'm saying? Uh, James Bryan Smith, in this book that we based it on called The Good and Beautiful Life, he says that there's a false narrative that, we, that kind of motivates us, there's a, there's a false belief within us that motivates us and pushes us to think that lying is a good choice, that being deceptive is actually, oh, yeah, that sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and do that. Let me pick up that snowball and start working it, when it's really not. And here's, here's one of the things he says. Here's the false narrative. It's all about me. Everybody say, it's all about me. I am alone. It's all about me, and I am alone. Right? Right? I have to get my own back. I have to take care of myself. Nobody else is going to take care of me. So if it comes down to it, I've got to lie in order to protect myself. Can you see it? So when you're about to get in trouble, when you're about to get made fun of, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that band. Right? You're, you're afraid of getting made fun of. You're afraid of not being liked. We're afraid of not being accepted. This lie is an abomination to God that becomes an ever-present help in times of trouble. Right? But that's not what a lie is. It only brings more trouble and more devastation and more destruction. Are you with me? How many of you, how many, I mean, don't raise your hand. I'm like being Pastor Runyon right now. He always does this. How many of you have ever lied to get out of trouble? And if you don't raise your hand, and I ask you to raise your hand, you're a liar. Right? Because we've all done it. He's like I can't remember right now. That doesn't mean you haven't done it. We've all done, we've all been three years old. We've all done it. Okay. So we'll lie to get out of trouble. Why? We'll lie to be liked. Why? Because I'm alone and I don't want to be alone. I want to be accepted, and I'm not sure if I am. Why lie to get out of trouble? Because I'm the only one who's got my back. I got to take care of myself. Second one. What can I get? for me if I lie. Have you ever lied for that reason? I mean, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? I mean, can I get some more power? Can I get some more control over this person? Can I slander this other person in order to get this person to like me better? Are you with me? Can I gossip about such and such? Because man, I look good over here. At least I don't do that. This is really quiet in here right now. I have no idea why. Okay, I do. That was a lie. <laughs> See how easy it is? You don't even catch it. I did, though. <laughs> to keep friends, to make money. Did you know that the the to, one of the top ten most um, common lies among the Christian church in America is over taxes? That's my money. That's deceit. Hmm. Jesus said this, What profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his very soul? Have you ever lied to flatter somebody so that you can get them to like you? This is like Dating 101, right? No, not me. Oh, you just forgot. (laughs) Right? Oh, that looks, man, yeah, that hat looks so good. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? That's what you think, right? Oh, yeah, that dress, yeah, it makes you look so slim. Totally does. So good. Okay, now I'm meddling into some spousal relationships. I'll move on. Flattery. Flattery. Now, encouragement is different, right? Encouragement is building the other up out of love for their good. Flattery is building the other up because I want something. We husbands do that when we want something, don't we? Lord, help us. Here's another statement. If I told the truth, I would get into trouble. Nobody's, has anybody ever thought that in here? If I told the truth, I would get in trouble, so I don't. It was just a little white lie. I meant no harm. The ends justify the means. Now that false false narrative, right? That false belief is th- this is weird. that false belief is it's all about me and I'm alone. In the kingdom, it's completely different. That, that clock is wrong, so I need to keep track of my time. In the kingdom, it's completely different. Remember the, remember the kingdom that I talked to you about? The kingdom that's available to you that you are invited to? Remember that? No matter what you've done or what you said or what you didn't do or what you did do, you're invited to it today by Jesus himself. That kingdom, that kingdom that's good and beautiful, that kingdom that's where forgiveness and grace reigns, that kingdom, here's the statement in that kingdom. Here it is. It's all about Jesus and he will never leave me. It's not about me anymore. It's about him. So I don't have to be constantly concerned about, am I getting mine? Is somebody not giving me what I deserve? Am I, am I, am I, am I? Because it's about him. I'm just trying to glorify him. So you can say what you want about me because he's already said what's true about me. I'm forgiven. I'm blessed. I'm worth dying for. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who has my back. So when I feel like I've just I'm the only one who has my back and I've got to take care of myself, it's a lie. That's not true. Jesus is here with you. With you. He's for you, not against you. And over time, that reality of the kingdom. Our need for deceit, our need to manipulate, our need to get people to accept us no matter the cost, no matter the deceit, no matter the little white lie, even our spouses, our friends, whatever that is, the people we look up to, our bosses, right? We lie a lot at work. Oh, I that was my work and it really was your co-worker. We don't need to do that anymore because God's kingdom is here. He cares for you. He's taking care of you. He loves you. He died for you. He's all about you. with you. You're not alone. It's okay. My phone's gone off at bad times before. And yours has too. That's true. In God's kingdom, we don't have to lie anymore. Cuz really, the we thought that lying, we thought that cheating was giving us something. Do you know over time what it really gives us is Gehenna. It gives us burning trash. It gives us broken relationships. It gives us a mask. When I was in pathological liar state when I was 15, I didn't believe that anybody could really love me for me. You know why? Because nobody really knew me. Because I was constantly faking it, giving people what I thought they wanted to hear. I couldn't know that people could love me for me because I never let anybody see that. But we can now because Jesus is the one who comes and says, you are accepted, you are dearly loved, even as you are. And check this out, and I want to set you free and transform you so that life can be better. Life in the kingdom, when this area is about becoming the kind of person who naturally over time begins to tell the truth naturally. And Jesus gets down to the nitty gritty when he just says, simply, he's like, here's step one for you, everybody. Okay, step one. It's real simple. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Just start there. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Just start somewhere. All right, I'm going to close. And as I close, worship team, you can come forward wherever you are. Will you still get in trouble if you tell the truth? Yep. Did y'all hear that? If you cheat on a test and then you go back and tell the truth, will you still get in trouble? Yep. Yep. But you won't have the pain and the destruction hanging over you anymore. Oh, y'all don't want to hear me this morning. Maybe over here. You won't resent yourself for always lying and not telling the truth. You won't have this, like, inner hatred of yourself. Why can't I just do the right thing one time? You won't have this distrust even of yourself, and you will begin to repair the relationships that have been broken from the deceit that you have been walking in. What happened when I got caught? My relationship with my parents got better. What happened when I got myself caught with my spouse? I was lying and cutting corners on little stuff. What happened with that relationship? Funny enough, it got better. It feels good sometimes to lie and to get out of trouble. Have you noticed that? It feels good. It feels like you won. It feels like a little victory. You know what feels better? Freedom. You know what feels better? Hope. You know what feels better? Forgiveness. You know what feels better? Doing the right thing. When it's time and not failing again, oh man, there ain't no money that can pay for that. To lay down about two years after I got caught, I was 15, I was 16 when I got caught. About a year after that, I was I'm almost 18, 17, 18. I looked back on my life, and I was laying my head down on my pillow at night at peace. Not spinning out on, oh, I did it again. Not spinning out on, oh, who did I tell what to? Not, I had, like, peace. Like, real peace. I have, there was peace in my home between me and my parents. They were beginning to trust me again. There was this peace that did not exist. I looked back and I said, how could I ever have deserved this, God? This isn't for me. What? How did I get here? And it was the little yeses and the little noes. It was the big confessions and the small ones. Somebody today, the Lord is going to ask you to start a big confession, to have a big confession. Because guess what? Today is the day of salvation. Today. Today is the day of grace. When we stand before God at the judgment seat, that's going to be a whole different kind of day. But today, today is the day for grace and mercy for renewal, for transformation, for hope, for change. Today is that day. I said that was time for an amen. Today is the day of salvation. One of John Wesley's favorite, favorite favorite sermons. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Get yourself caught today. Can I just Can I just call it what it is? Get yourself caught today. Do it and watch God change you. Dumb little stuff. Oh, yeah, I know that band. In that moment, you know what? I don't know that band. I'm sorry. What What is that band like? What genre is that from? Little stuff. Little stuff. Let go of your pride. Walk in the freedom of the kingdom of God that's available to you. Big stuff. I've been lying about when I when I was supposed to get home because, and I've been fighting you on it. I I'm just afraid you're going to be upset. I'm afraid that you're not going to like me for who I am. I'm I'm afraid. It is what it is. Get yourself caught. Confession is a gift. Confession is a gift of transformation. It's time. It's time to walk in the good life of truth. Jesus said, My worshipers will worship me in spirit and truth. It's time. When I was in the midst of my lying, I was blaming everybody else for the Gehenna, for the the burning trash dump that I had in my life. Come to find out that I had started the fire, that I had kept it burning, and that I was the one who was destroying stuff. And even today, sometime the snowball of deception looks so good to me. But by the grace of God, I want to walk in his freedom. By the grace of God, I want to walk in his truth. I want to be able to look people in the eye more and more. Them see the real me and me see the real them. No more masks, no more games. I want that for you. I want that for this church. I want that for our community. I want that for your homes. I want that for your relationship with your kids, for your kids' relationship with you. And parents, it starts with us, right? We can't expect them to do something that we're not willing to do. I got two little kids. It's so hard to go back and say I'm sorry to my kids. What is that I don't know but it's in us But we don't have to live in that anymore It's time for some freedom It's time for some hope It's time for some change And so as we we close with a little worship The altars are open You want to confess with your body You want to say, Jesus, I'm yours? Come do it. You can say that from your seat too, by the way. But if you feel like that's something that the Lord is inviting you to, do it. Break that pride. Do it. Do it. Watch how far it goes. Jesus. We love you. Thank you for meddling in my life. Thank you for getting me caught. Thank you for not letting go. Thank you for the good life that I'm living in now. God, keep me from picking up that snowball, that snowball of deceit. I need your help. We all need your help. We need courage from you to confess even. And so, God, I pray that this place would be filled with an abundance of who you are. And really what I mean by that, because you're already here is that we would walk in it. Jesus, teach us to confess. Teach us to love each other with the truth. We surrender, God, today. In Jesus' name. Amen.